0: So, when this episode goes up, this episode's going to go up in August, I believe, and by that time, I believe, the Star Trek Lower Decks show will be in progress, right? Uh, or, or it's I think it's supposed to, to
1: it. in... Yeah, sometime in August. Is, that, is it still, like, on schedule? Like, it's not being delayed? I
0: believe so. I just saw an announcement of, like, I don't think they had officially given a release date for it until the other day when I texted you, um, mm-hmm. so... Yeah, I believe we're good to go. For those of you who are unaware, this is the second ever animated Star Trek show after the animated series. It is created by, uh, I believe, a writer who is a veteran of Rick and Morty, which is a show that I is very near and dear to me. And He also worked on um, Solar Opposites, which is a Hulu show that is also created by Justin Roiland, one of the co-creators of Rick and Morty. So I've been really jazzed about the show since it was announced, whenever it was announced last year. It's got some good voice talent on it, too, like Tawny Newsome and some other people are on it. It's about a group of Starfleet cadets that are serving kind of post-Voyager times on, I think it's billed as, like, one of the least important ships in Starfleet. right? And it's called Lower Decks as a reference to the classic TNG episode, Lower Decks, which is all about these four Ensign characters who are not main characters and kind of, like, what life is like for them on... The Enterprise, and uh, I don't know if it's going to work as blue as Rick and Morty. Like that, that would seem out of place even on CBS All Access. You know, the existential like horror <laughs> slash dark comedy of Rick and Morty is that would be, I think, kind of wild if Star Trek adopted that to that level. Anyway, yeah, um, but I'll be curious to see how it goes. Um, maybe this will challenge me to. Take back my complaints about not liking adult or, you know, dark Star Trek, because certainly Rick and Morty, very funny, but also an extremely dark show. But you you were saying you hadn't really.
1: So, yeah, so I didn't realize that it was that degree of like. I think I had heard that it was a comedy, and I knew it was animated, but I didn't realize it was. Like, I didn't know there was someone from Rick and Morty associated with it. And just the. So I had seen the, the preview or the trailer for it and didn't realize it was like that style of animated like because the the animation style is i would say kind of reminiscent of of rick and morty oh yeah absolutely or or just of like i guess the genre is like adult cartoon um Mm -hmm. and yeah it was it was not what i I guess i was expecting something more along the lines of the animated series just in the the like visual style sure Um, and it is much more cartoony but yeah, uh, and I think it's, it's going to be much more like ridiculous comedy, but I, mm-hmm. I I could be here for that if it's done well, I think.
0: Have you watched, uh, have you watched Rick and Morty?
1: No, it's one that I've always meant to. Okay.
0: I think you would, I think you would like From it. From
1: what I've heard about it and like the people that have told me it's good and the degree to which I agree with their, their sensibilities, I think I would really like it and I think I would find it really funny um yeah i've like, never gotten around to actually watching it
0: i'll just have to rant, rant and rave to you about how good it is off <laughs> people talking on the internet about how good rick and morty is is uh, kind of an iffy prospect so i won't i won't add to more of that but uh, you know some other time i'll tell you about how much i like it but you know there's also i was well, something that i saw in this recent release about it that i did not know is that apparently someone's also is planning a like a CGI animated all ages Star Trek show, it seemed. Oh, really? Um, I think that was like a very small thing that was in that same release that I sent you, and that I had not heard of at all. But that was very very intriguing to me. Hmm. Um, now I'm trying to find it though.
1: So I know I had heard about the There's the Section Thirty One, Michelle Yeoh show, yeah, with Michelle Yeoh that they've talked about, and I I think I'd heard there was one more that like was being.
0: Yeah, they greenlit a spin-off show from Discovery that's about the Enterprise during the Pike years.
1: That's right. That's what it was.
0: Which I I don't know. I mean, I actually am rewatching I'm rewatching Discovery right now and I have some thoughts on it that I would like to go back and maybe say that I was a little bit harsher on it in our episode with uh the National Science Wars ladies and was maybe deserved, but uh in season two of that, that's what you, you see. You, they they run into the Enterprise in season two, which I have not gotten to yet. And so they're spinning off. And that feels weird to me because it's one of those things where if that show does well, are we going to end up seeing more Pike period Enterprise than you would Kirk period Enterprise? But yeah, I was just looking it up while we were talking. Um, so it's actually not on CPSL Access, but like I guess last year they the Star Trek announced that they are going to have a, a CGI animated show on Nickelodeon. Um, really? Yeah. So I'm really I don't know anything about the like the creative team or anything like that, but that's very interesting to me. That's like a very different direction than the than like CBS has been taking that show in recent years, and. You know, I'm always trying to get my kids to watch these episodes with me, so that might be like a fun way to if there was actually something uh, yeah. that was going to be a little more targeted towards them. Um, but I think I'll say, you know, when Lower Decks comes out, do you wanna do a special on it?
1: We should. I think we should. Um Okay. Kind of similar to what we did with Picard.
0: Yeah. I don't know if we will do Discovery. I think I think if we were going to do season three of Discovery as a special you would need to watch Have to watch
1: all of the rest of discovery the rest of it and i'm not yeah. gonna
0: make you do that by any means but um yeah i think i think it would, i think it'd be fun if when there's a new star trek thing or you know if you do end up watching discovery like if there's a new season of a show that we're watching like i think that'd be a fun thing to, yeah, to pop lots some specials on <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Out of Contracts, the show where two guys who've seen part of Star Trek try to watch all of it in no particular order. I'm Ryan Howard.
1: And I'm Brady Jungle.
0: And today we are talking about uh, another episode of Voyager. We've been doing a lot of Voyager lately, which is fine with me. Yeah, It's uh, Voyager Season 5, Episode 26, the season finale. It's called Equinox Part 1. And the memory alpha description of it is... Voyager finds another Federation starship, the USS Equinox, stranded in the Delta Quadrant. But they also find that the Equinox crew is harboring a dark secret. (laughs) This episode was written by Brandon Braga and Joe uh, Minoski. Brandon Braga, he was like the guy, right, for this period of Trek. Him and Rick Berman, who also has a story by credit on this. And then it's directed by David Livingston. This might be the episode that I was... We've done a few two-part episodes. I know we did, we did the one recently. We did uh, the first part of that TNG episode. Oh yeah. I was really tempted to watch the second episode of this.
1: I, I was going to ask if you did. Yeah. Cause yeah, I, I had the same thing at the end of it where it was just like, kind of wanted to just go ahead and, and watch the next one, which I guess means it did a good job. Cause this was a, this was a season finale, right? So like this would have been yeah. your cliffhanger bef- until the next season started up.
0: Yep. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed this episode a lot. I thought it was really just compelling and kind of, you know, a weird, you know, because we have been talking about and just in our cold when we were talking about um, dark Star Trek a little bit. This is a dark episode of Star Trek, but I think it's done in a way that is still kind of like mature without being like grim and. Gory and awful, you know it, it it's,
1: yeah, but it is kind of the closest Star Trek gets to like a like a horror type of type of thing,
0: yeah, but really, really good stuff, um yeah, but uh, I didn't have a lot of notes in this I think I was just I was very
1: oh yeah, i took I took a good bit, I feel like I don't know how much okay, yeah, well.
0: i sometimes I don't take very many notes when I'm really into the story, and so
1: yeah, you just um, end up like watching the show,
0: yeah, so I think that that's what happened this time, yeah yeah so let's let's talk about let's talk about what happened to
1: that yeah, so this is this is another again, as we've kind of noted a couple times now, this is an episode that starts out in the middle of something happening so so it actually opens up not on Voyager but on this other ship on the equinox and they're in red alert and they're like clearly under attack by something and there's a lot of yelling and they're having to essentially what they say is they have to drop their shields so that they can repair them. And as they do so we see this this kind of monster type uh, I think you described it as Slimer from the Ghostbusters. Yes. Type of creature that kind of materializes out of this like rift in space and, and starts attacking one of the one of their crew members. Um, and
0: ultimately it doesn't look that much like Slimer, but at first it's kinda of hard to tell what it is. And it has like a very similar like graphics quality to like what Slimer did from that from that period
1: yeah and it kind of has these arms that are like waving out in front of it as it's as it's attacking yeah
0: so i definitely got i got a distinct ecto cooler vibe uh, (laughs) from (laughs) from these monsters yeah
1: and i forget exactly how that cold open like cuts off but essentially they're under attack that creature kills one of their like people on their bridge
0: it like sucks all the energy out of them uh like they turn into like kind of like a you know, that one episode of um, of the original series we watched where it started out with someone getting water all the water sucked stuff. out of them and yes. they turned into, like, salt, basically. Yes. <laughs> it was like, like that, that, except for that instead of turning into salt, they just kind of turned into, like, like... a
1: mummified type of...
0: Yeah, yeah. But it seems like a similar process was
1: was going right. on. Yeah. Uh, and then something dramatic happens and we cut to the, like, opening credits.
0: Well, I think it's just, like, there's more of them coming out and so, like, the officers are kind of desperately firing at the at the things and then it cuts...
1: Yeah, and then when we come back, you're on Voyager, and basically the captain is seeing this, like on a big screen, seeing this distress message from from the Equinox, from Captain uh, Captain Ransom uh, of the Equinox, and they they kind of find out that the ship is is close by. It's here in the Delta Quadrant, and they they talk a little bit about kind of who this, you know, that she knows she knows who this captain is. She know, she's like heard of the ship but doesn't, like, know them personally. And so they go to, like, the location where this is coming from to, to go rescue the Equinox. And so they, basically, as they come, they they see the Equinox and all of its shields are, like, flickering and about to die. And the captain kind of yells at them to, like, extend their shields out, like, extend Voyager's shields out to protect the Equinox. And they do that and essentially kind of protect it from this attack that's happening. And they, and they start to experience the same thing, that there's these uh, sort of rifts or kind of attacks that are happening where these creatures are trying to break through their shields. But at least for now, Voyager shields are strong enough to, to hold them off. Mm-hmm. And so then they go on what is, I think, one of the most egregious <laughs> examples of something that's, like, common in Star Trek, but I feel like this is one of the worst cases of, like, the entire command structure of the ship goes on a like very dangerous search and rescue away mission
0: and also neelix is there
1: yes I, i mean pretty much the entire like credited cast of the show but when you think of it in terms of the ship like again you're going to this very dangerous like disabled ship where beams are falling from the ceiling and they were just recently under attack and, like, the entire purpose of this is just to find if there's any survivors and rescue them. And you're they send the captain, the first officer, the, like, chief of security, the chief engineer, the ship's doctor goes over there. And then also, yeah, like, Neelix and Paris, who I guess is the helmsman, and, like, Harry Kim and Seven of Nine all go over there. Like I'm
0: not Mr. right? Like, that is... They all do go over there, right? Because I'm I'm looking on the memory alpha yes, thing. Yes, no, and, it,
1: it, and they're all like in, they're kind of like paired off and like all sort yeah. of find different different people from from the equinox. But yeah, I think pretty much everyone is over there.
0: Now, and, and just for if you're not familiar with the show and you need a reminder, Neelix is the cook on the ship. So yeah. for some reason to like and send also send the cook over there, you send know, the just cook. in case. It, and arguably, maybe I was like maybe maybe they're sending him over there because he, I don't, it doesn't make any sense. Cause I, I you maybe <laughs> make the argument that like, because he's from the Delta Quadrant, maybe he would know what they're dealing with. But like, if that's the case.
1: Yeah. He And he does kind of act as their, I think they, they sort of reference every now and then they like, he sort of acts as the ship's like ambassador to again, he's like the yeah. one that knows things about the Delta Quadrant and like, will interact with different species because he knows who they are, but this is a Federation ship. <laughs>
0: Right, and if also, if that was your rationale, why isn't Neelix on every away team?
1: Right. And again, like, if, it's it's not impossible that, like, this damaged ship could, like, explode or something could happen or, like, get attacked again, and who knows who would be left on or, like, running Voyager if that happened, because, like, the entire...
0: I'm thinking, like, did they all, all go over there? Because, like, did, was Seven over there at that point? I know she goes later...
1: I think Seven was over there there as well, because she, she rescues um, the guy that can't feel his legs, I think.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. The doctor will run
1: the... Will yeah, run the show. right. Uh, finally, Michelle Barrett gets to be in charge of something.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's just the computer is like, all right, this is what we're going to do. Um, I'm just trying to even think of other characters who we know exist on the show, because I, I haven't seen enough of this show to know if there's any kind of like Garrick characters who who just kind of like or, or guy characters few... who show up sometimes, you know.
1: Yeah, there's I think Naomi Wildman is actually briefly in this episode. She's like a kid that's on Voyager. Um
0: well oh, I just got her in um I just got her in <laughs> Timelines.
1: Did you? Yeah.
0: <laughs> I promised this one we should we should not do this. We should not have the show become a? Oh, I just got her. On, I guess got time. I just time got her. We there.
1: There may be a few that will have to do that, but but that's fair. But anyways, <laughs> um, so they find some survivors on the ship, uh, including their their captain uh, Captain Ransom, and then uh, Burke, who is their their first officer, and bring them all back to Voyager.
0: And two other characters, a bunch of other characters, but like two other characters who speak, who are marla gildmore who is an ensign and then what's the name of the guy who was underneath the uh
1: lessing is i know his last name i guess he's probably an ensign or something too um but yeah i made note of him because because i I was looking up these actors mostly to try to figure out who burke was because he looks really familiar but i couldn't place from where Mm -hmm. um but lessing is apparently played by uh rick worthy who was also one of the klingons in um Soldiers of the Empire Oh, okay is, I think that's the one where, like, Worf and Dax yeah, Go on a, a Klingon ship
0: Yeah, that episode's good
1: But yeah, I did wonder For this, this whole, like, search and rescue Like, wouldn't, in reality, wouldn't you just, like, have A team of, like, people For this kind of a mission? Um, like
0: Like a search and rescue team, you mean?
1: Yeah, like, it, it, maybe there should be a show That's, like, middle decks I guess like yeah. something, like not the like least important people on the ship, but basically just like the people that you send on on dangerous away missions because you probably shouldn't be sending your captain.
0: You hate to lose them, but you can if you have to.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: right. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's what Neelix is. I guess
1: <laughs> maybe that's yeah.
0: No disrespect intended, by the way. I do, love, I love Neelix, i just just stating his importance to the ship is it's strange that he would be the you know, on this mission.
1: Yeah, for something like this, you would want. Mostly like security personnel or like engineering, and like some medical people. But yeah, I, I, like there's kind of a skill set that you would want for search and rescue that I, I don't know that he's your um, your go-to guy for that.
0: It's interesting that you know so in in Star Trek sometimes some of your characters have uh, unique powers. You know, like the ability to do a mind meld, or or like a you know the the Vulcan thing where they can pressure point you and you can pass out right. or the ability to interface with different things. And
1: right. with like data or that. Yeah.
0: Right. Well it's because as I say, it's, it's interesting having a, a ship like this where I guess uh, Vulcans also have, did, did Tuvok go over there? Uh,
1: I think Tuvok did. Maybe, I don't know if we saw him or not, but I think Tuvok did. Okay. Cause I think we get, we get one of those shots where like Tuvok is carrying the very cool like phaser rifle that mm-hmm. they have sometimes in Voyager
0: yeah um, uh, but but like I guess Tuvok has super strength but like you know when you, when you watch TNG both Worf and Data can just kind of lift anything all the time Right. there's that character who I think yeah I think you're right I think Seven finds underneath
1: um, yeah. a bunch and of and she rubble. has I guess a, a certain degree of like Borg enhancements still
0: right but you know if, if it was Data he would just pick it up like it was nothing uh, right, so they they do have some. They have to do some some different uh, some different stuff there. Yeah,
1: um but yeah, so they they bring the crew of the Equinox back onto Voyager and kind of in talking to them find this backstory that they were they were similarly brought to the Delta Quadrant by the caretaker, and then have kind of been on their own adventure through through the Delta Quadrant to get to this point, also trying to get home.
0: Not as someone who's seen all Voyager. Because I, I don't remember caretaker well enough the episode caretaker well enough to say have they ever made reference to that in the show prior to this that the caretaker had snatched a federation ship before because for those who don't remember that like, caretaker in you know, the pilot of the show like care, that's the reason why voyager stranded is that like this godlike being basically snatched them from across the the galaxy to see if they had the right like organic nature to provide a cure for
1: yeah he's been trying to he's just been like randomly picking people from around the universe trying to like find someone who is kind of capable of of taking over his position and yeah i did i did wonder about that because like you would also because they even talk about at the very beginning Janeway's kind of talking about she's heard of the equinox and she's heard of captain ransom but apparently no one knows that that this ship like randomly was lost in space at some point well because I, I, it would I have mean, had to have happened before voyager was right because didn't they destroy yeah. the caretaker
0: yeah yeah it would have been before voyager i mean like i don't know I, I feel like ships get i feel like it's not uncommon for ships to get lost in space um i, I would assume that they just probably didn't know that it went to the caretaker you know mm-hmm. i guess that would that would be my thought anyway
1: yeah although i guess that makes sense
0: now, this, is, this is something else you, could, you would know, maybe, and I wouldn't, is that wh- when does Starfleet figure out what happened to Voyager? Because, obviously, they do know at some point, because, um you know, we just watched the episode with... with yeah, Reg, because
1: in, like, Pathfinder, they Where they're
0: trying... Yeah, the Pathfinder program, right. but, like, I don't think they know right away, right?
1: Yeah, and there's some... I, every now and then, there'll be an episode where they, like, through some shenanigans, manage to, like, get a message to Starfleet, or, like... Starfleet finds out that they're out there or something. Like eventually I think Starfleet does find out that they're out in the Delta Quadrant, um but I think for a long time Starfleet just like thinks they're yeah, yeah. MIA.
0: But yeah, I assume that they just probably, you know, I mean, as we've seen from like watching all these shows like spaceships seem to run into weird problems on the regular and it only and it, it's only like the I would assume only the exceptional people who end up being able to live to tell another day, so I don't think it would be that surprising that like they just be like oh this is a ship that got lost you know at some point.
1: Yeah, yeah, and so Janeway's talking to to Ransom, and then there's a little like side thing where Burke, who is their their first officer, we find out has this like romantic history with with Torres because uh, he like ca- calls her by this like nickname of her initials, which are B L T. And then Paris gets, like, super jealous about the fact that this guy calls her by a nickname. And then (laughs) I do enjoy that scene because they're, like, introducing, you know, Burke comes over and Torres introduces Burke to Paris, who's, like, very clearly jealous and there's tension there. And then Harry Kim just kind of, like, also introduces himself. He's just like, and I'm Harry Kim. (laughs) In a very funny type of way to me
0: <laughs> are there ever any episodes about harry kim like harry kim has never played an important part in any episode <laughs> we've ever watched i feel like
1: no he is sort of the guy that like when you need someone to like be captured or be in peril or something it's usually harry kim um
0: yeah because like, he gets one of the people who gets kidnapped by the caretaker I yeah. now that i'm thinking about it yeah but that still episode. still not about him you know
1: no it's very much not yeah he he kind of is is also there um, and i do like that he uh there's a little bit kind of as they're walking away from that scene that he calls tom paris uh turkey platter i guess is like also making a nickname based on food based on his initials
0: that's that's some extra steps to get to that one
1: yeah which uh
0: anything to make thomas Paris mad though is fine with me (laughs) right i was a little bit bothered by the coincidence of like (laughs) that Starfleet is a bigger organization, and it just it just so happened that that someone on Voyager happened to
1: used to date someone on
0: on Equinox. It was like a pretty small ship, that, you know. There's not a ton of people.
1: Yeah, it's it's like a small, and because th- that that does kind of, I guess, get to the sort of what the overall thrust of this episode is is that you have these two, you know, these two ships that were both put into a similar situation, you know, that were kind of put into this place so far away from home and are try- just trying to make it back. And you sort of, as the episode goes on, see the different choices that they've had to make. Because Voyager is, you know, a bigger ship. It's better equipped. They have a bigger crew. And it they make it seem like they've been through less. Whereas Equinox is like this small ship, has less resources as a smaller crew. And also, uh, I think one of the things the captain says is like, right when they first got into the Delta Quadrant, they got into this battle with these people that like killed off a third of their crew so like they started out already like they've been through a much harder time of it Mm. and I think what they're trying to do is sort of raise the question of that Equinox and I think the captain even before the sort of big reveal of this episode the captain says something about like we've made some choices that we regret or that like made us question if we were really even human anymore and I think what you're forced to ask is like has Voyager kind of kept their their honor and their nobility and the ideals of Starfleet and all that because they're, like, inherently better people if they made better choices? Or is it just that they've been in better circumstances, you know? That's... Like, if they were in the same situation, would Janeway and Chakotay and Tuvok and all these people that we know and love have made worse decisions as well if they didn't have the luxury of being able to do the right thing
0: that's an interesting interpretation of that because i i guess for me my thought wasn't that they were saying oh well voyager's had it easier because like voyager had to integrate like the maquis and voyager and like they both lost half their crews this is i think post all the sesca stuff so it's not like they've had like an easy go of it Uh, to me i thought the kind of the question was it wasn't necessarily like if you had it worse off would you turn into a worse person? It, to me it was more like if you felt like you had to choose between survival and doing something that you knew was wrong. Would you would you choose to to not succeed at surviving or in getting where you wanted to go? because it was the right because you knew it was the right thing to not do that, or like would you or would you you know and I think that like mm-hmm. I think that's funnily enough, I think that's the reason why there's there's that one, I think maybe because ransom is trying to see if he can trust January, but there's this scene where they're both ransom and January are on the equinox, and he says. Can I ask you a question? Have, have you ever violated the Prime Directive? And then j thinks about it and says, no, we've bent but not broken it. And I was like, that's straight up a lie. Like, that's absolutely a lie. If the pilot of the show, you right. beam down water to the...
1: Yeah, to this like primitive race being like, look, we can create water out yeah. of thin air. Now give us what we you want. You beam
0: down water to these people. And, yeah, and then you say, and we can make it like magic. Like That's absolutely right. untrue <laughs> that they have not violated the Prime Directive. But I guess... For the purposes of this conversation, <laughs> she believes that they have not, right. and and so he's like, oh yeah, yeah, right, we haven't either, you know. But yeah. clearly, they, you know, as we will find out, they definitely have. And I think it's kind of like the reason, and I think you see this throughout the show, because sometimes Janeway does kind of bend and not break the rules, but she also is very, very committed to doing it as much as possible. By the book, and to the, to the dissatisfaction of her crew, sometimes like you know there yeah. is this that kind of ongoing plot with Seska, and with once she leaves, with some people trying to get in contact with her because there are some people with the Maquis in particular who feel like if we were breaking more rules, we would be able to be getting home faster. And she's like, "Well, we're not going to do it," and and yeah. so well
1: because that's and that's even the like the beginning, which like part of the reason they're even still there is that they. Like, instead of just using the caretaker's array to go back home right off the bat, they did what they felt was the right thing by destroying it to protect the, the Okampa.
0: Right. And so you, you look at Janeway, and she is like this very principled character yeah. who I think ultimately, she, as much as she really wants to get back home, she would never want to do anything that would make her feel like she was not doing the right thing. Yeah. You know, And then Ransom, I think, maybe felt that way at one point, but then he definitely made first a decision and then more than one decision to prioritize like his safety and the safety of his crew over, you know, as you were saying, like the, their humanity, yeah. you know, more or less. And so I, to me, I felt like that was the contrast of kind of like, not necessarily that it was harder for the Equinox, maybe it was, but just that like, there are kind of two different paths that you could take.
1: Yeah. But I think the, the question is like, like if, Voyager like specifically if Janeway had like been put in a similar situation right like if she had a smaller ship and had taken more losses like would she have made like is the reason that she like that they made those decisions and she didn't that she's like like is she better than them or is she just been in like had better circumstances like if she were in the same circumstances would she have she would have made the right decision anyways
0: I think she's better than them because ultimately like if Voyager crashed on a planet or ran out of dilithium or whatever, I think Janay would be like, "Well, you know, we'll keep our eyes open. Maybe we can find some more dilithium somehow." But other than that, I guess you know, you know, good try, and I'll keep on trying to do the right mm-hmm. thing. But like, basically, like you know, I because because ultimately, yeah, there were several, certainly some hardships that these guys were facing, but the reason why they're doing the thing that we haven't been saying they're doing is just, is just because of the mostly just because they want to get, get, home home, they get home faster. They yeah. want to get home faster. Yeah. And like if Janeway wanted to get home faster, she could also do that in theory, but she's not going to, because that's like a pretty effed up thing to do.
1: <laughs> that's fair. It kind of made me think a little bit of, uh, you've seen Nemesis by now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think Nemesis kind of, uh, there's a conversation where they address that same question because I guess Spoilers for Nemesis.
0: Spoilers for one of the one of the weaker Star Trek uh, films.
1: Yeah. But the kind of the main antagonist in that is a the Romulans, or I guess the Remans had they had created a a clone of Picard, like using his same DNA. Oh man. <laughs> yes, that but but one of the things that like Picard is faced with is like he, he says like that person is who I would have been if I was in the same circumstances as him. And I think it's data that tells him like, no, that's not necessarily true. Like he may have your DNA, but he's, he's not you. And like you, all the things that make you who you are, are your, your principles and, and your values in that. And so.
0: (laughs) I was laughing because there's a scene in nemesis where, where you first meet, Tom Hardy's character who who plays Picard's clone and his face is hidden. Like he's shrouded, you know, and and then he, he walks into the light and he's bald like Picard is. But other than that, he, just looks like Tom Hardy. He bears no resemblance right. to Picard at, <laughs> at all. all. But yeah. all the characters have to like act like, <gasps> like oh, oh my god, it's <laughs> Picard! Yeah, yeah right. all like like all the characters like they have this look on their face like, what? It's him? <laughs> it's <laughs> just like, no, it's not. That's that's <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, it, maybe there's only one bald man in the in the twenty fourth century. Right. It
0: looks nothing like him at all, except for that they're both bald. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Anyways, yeah. So I, I don't know. For some reason, it made me think of that same that thing of like. Do, how much do your circumstances make you who you are versus it being something inherent to you? Yeah. But anyways, as they're trying to kind of find out what happened to the equinox and how to, and they're trying to figure out how to protect uh, both ships from these, these creatures that are still trying to break through their shields. And as they keep investigating this, essentially I forget who exactly kind of pieces this together, but they find enough information that Voyager finds out that the Equinox has actually been intentionally allowing these creatures to come onto... like making this portal for these creatures to come into this dimension in order to capture them and kill them and use their bodies as an energy source to give their warp drive so much more power that it can cross the Delta Quadrant incredibly faster than they would be otherwise.
0: Yeah, because these, these beings, they normally exist in a, like another dimension, basically. And so they, they keep on like coming into this dimension, and they have some kind of like weird energy in them that can be co- converted into antimatter, which is ultimately what
1: powers warp. Yeah. And so they... They confront the equinox with this and uh, specifically the um, the captain and he kind of tells this story of what happened and, and that they were on a planet and the people of that planet like did this you know ceremony to uh, that they kind of worship these these creatures these as these like spirit beings that would kind of like briefly appear and then disappear back into their dimension. And they took the the device that they used to to bring them here. And they figured out that they had this, this source of energy. And so they, they captured one of them and they were able to travel 10,000 light years just with, with the power from that thing. So they've intentionally been capturing and killing these aliens. And so that's why they're under attack is the, these creatures are presumably angry about that.
0: Right, because I don't think, I think they've been kind of summoning them. So the creatures, it's not even like they're coming willingly at this point. I think they're kind of like being captured and then killed and so then yeah they they're understandably quite upset and they're attacking the equinox to keep them from
1: yeah from continuing to essentially like murder them
0: and the reason why they figured this out just to back up is that when they're trying to evacuate the equinox and they're, they're talking about either evacuating the equinox or destroying it and letting the rest of the equinox be on the voyager which for some reason ransom doesn't want to do and what, so we are trying to evacuate it, but basically, there's this science center slash. So I guess it's the med bay.
1: Yeah, there's a specific like area where they've been doing these experiments that the Equinox crew has been like like trying very hard to keep anyone from Voyager from going to this area because that's when where they'll find it out.
0: Yep, and then. Basically, like it's, they keep on venting radiated radioactive gas into there, and and the Voyager crew figures out, oh, this is not like an accident; they're doing this on purpose. So they send. I, I, I thought it was like a very like a, a, a very creative way to like do this. It was just some good writing. They send the Doctor in there because he's a hologram, and at this point on the right. show, he's got that little chip on him that lets him walk around outside of sickbay, and yeah. um, so that he discovers it. But then he also meets.
1: The Equinox's uh, emergency medical hologram.
0: Who has had his... In, in, in another one of those, why do they even have... It's kind of like the Emperor's New Groove, why did they even have this lever situation? Where, you know, we always talk about why, why are there safety protocols on the holodeck that get turned off? Right. Because the, the doctor says, why did you do this? And the other doctor says, well, they turned off my ethical subroutines <laughs> or something. It's <laughs> like, well, why, why did you do... Why was that an option?
1: <laughs> Yeah, you would think that, like, as a doctor, like, ethics would kind of be hardwired into it, you would hope.
0: Right, you could, but they shouldn't have, like, an off switch on the uh, the Hippocratic Oath, but...
1: Right, yeah, just just in case you you need it.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think, clever bit of writing then, they're talking to each other, and the doctor, the, the evil doctor, figures out that that our doctor has this thing on, and so he, he knocks it off that doctor, so that doctor disappears, and then he wears yeah. it and pretends to be the doctor. Now, it does raise the question of, and maybe they talk about this in the second episode that we didn't watch, but what happened to our doctor? Like, wouldn't he just go back to MedBay, and then couldn't he just radio someone and, and yeah, say... Yeah, that is a
1: good question, since he he's just a... Because cause he's a computer program, like, in Voyager's computer. Like, he's really more, like, a part of the ship itself than anything else. So... Yeah, I would think that like even if he wasn't being projected by this thing, he would still be in Voyager, I guess. Right. Yeah, I wonder if that comes up.
0: Because there is a fight scene on, on Voyager later, and I was kind of... Again, it's a cool idea, and it's like well, it's very well written, where it's like, oh, here's how they solve this problem. And that also sets up the evil Doctor being able to go onto Voyager. Like, it's, it's very clever, but I was kind of like, well, where did the good Doctor go?
1: yeah. Because the evil doctor then goes back onto Voyager and breaks the Equinox crew out of the brig.
0: By pretending to be the good doctor.
1: Right. And then there's a little, like, just kind of a little scene that presumably they pay off in the second part where he actually, as this kind of fight and escape is happening, he just, like, turns off the mobile emitter and it just falls to the ground. And I think that's the yeah. last we see of him in, in this episode, at least.
0: Right. And so, yeah, presumably he has gone back to his ship, so... Yeah. Anyway, it's interesting. It's an interesting thing, but it does make me kind of curious about, like, what's been going on.
1: Yeah. And then the episode ends with the Equinox crew escapes on their ship.
0: With Seven, because Seven has been trying to... Oh, that's right. What was she trying to do on their ship?
1: She was trying to disable the machine that they were using to turn... The creatures into power for their warp drive. Like, it was this, like, mm-hmm. modification thing that they had, like, stuck onto the side of their warp drive. Yeah. And I think she was trying to disable that. And they, they like, knock her out and, and run away.
0: So they, they escape with the technology that Voyager helped them make that would protect them from right. these creatures and also probably help them continue to capture and kill them.
1: Yeah. But that also leaves Voyager now vulnerable. And so as the episode ends, A bunch of these rifts open up and one of these creatures comes through and like starts to attack Janeway and then we cut to a to be continued
0: yeah yeah really good stuff like like, just very like suspenseful and like I am a sucker for stories where the people who you think are the bad guy at the beginning are actually the good guy. So, like, basically at the beginning of this, we're being told, like, oh, look at these Slimer people. Like, they're...
1: Yeah, these monsters that are attacking us. They're
0: very dangerous. Yeah, and then by the end, you're like, oh, wait. No, 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 no. They're the good guys. The Equinox people are the bad guys. And It's not even like the Equinox people are bad and they're fighting these monsters. It's It's that... And maybe it is, like, a prejudice-exposing thing of, you know, because these things look kind of creepy, we're kind of... They must be these... Scary monsters, but then, yeah, actually, they're totally justified in doing what they're doing, and and now like, understandably, now they're going to go off on Voyager, and even though Voyager didn't do anything wrong, they don't realize that, and like, they're still acting in their belief in a logical defensive way. Right. I really like stories like that where they kind of turn that thing on its head, like especially if I am not. I couldn't figure out what they were doing for a while. And for a while, I thought that they were maybe had started killing crew members and turning the crew members into energy.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: And I really just, I did not see it coming. that It was when I probably should have, but I did not see it coming that it was these creatures that, that, that they were turning into energy. And yeah, really like clever and like very like suspenseful. This is really exciting stuff. Yeah, I did I didn't want to watch the next episode, and I, I don't know if I will yet. But if I didn't, it was only just for the conceit of the show, not because I don't want to know what happens. Because I do want to know what happens. A good season finale for sure. Um, any thoughts on like any of like the lessons that this episode's trying to impart or anything like that? Like, what do we think about like the thematic stuff? Is it really just kind of like what would you do this kind of thing?
1: Yeah, or the, like, we were the monsters all along type of thing as well. I did... So clearly what Equinox is doing here is, like, is murder and is wrong. But before you find that out, in that scene that you're talking about where Janeway and, and Ransom were talking, and he asks, like, did you ever violate the Prime Directive? And it's... That one I found it interesting, just, like, how revered the Prime Directive seems to be. Just the way they talk about it, it is like this like fundamental one thing above all else that is important. And I was like, I mean, I get that you're like kind of using it as like a stand in for just general ethical principles. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the Prime Directive is actually a little bit more of like a specific policy in regards to first contact. And like there's there's like worse and better things that you could do then, like, it doesn't all just come down to the Prime Directive. But they kind of, like, venerate it a little bit too much, I feel, when they talk about it.
0: Well, yeah, like, is what Ransom is doing a violation of the Prime Directive? I mean, I guess it is. That's not really... I guess so. That's not really the
1: problem with it. I feel like it's more significant that it's murder, right?
0: Right. It's more, it's more wrong that it's murder than it is that, like, they contacted these guys for the first time the wrong way. I mean, they did. They contacted them in the most wrong way you can possibly way, yeah. do so.
1: Yeah, and, and again, I, I feel like the sort of intention behind the Prime Directive is is what they are violating, is that you're, you shouldn't be using your technological abilities to dominate or subjugate other races mm-hmm. or murder for your own benefit.
0: I think one thing, too, that's kind of... I think they, they kind of don't play this up too much, but I think that it's worth kind of mentioning that one way that this is kind of important that they violate the prime directive is that there's a degree to which you can talk about this as a, I don't want to say a slippery soap argument because that's not really like a very, I don't don't really buy slippery soap arguments most of the time, but like basically that there is a thing about if you start to betray your principles, like it's, I'm not someone who says like, you have to stick by your principles all the time because like sometimes your principles are wrong, and you should reconsider them. But I think, like, if you have a principle that you actually believe is the right thing to do, and you start betraying it even a little bit, like, there is a degree to which, like, people can get hurt because of that. And because, like, the reason why, now thinking about it a little bit more, the reason why this all happens is because they violate the Prime Directive. Because they find these aliens because they meet this other group of aliens
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um, who kind of show them. And so they get this energy converter and then they summon one of the creatures, which they should yep. not do, and then the, they accidentally kill the alien who
1: they summon. But: Yeah, And then they're like, well, since it was already dead, we:
0: Yeah, I guess we'll make it into energy." So it's like there's kind of like this series of like escalatingly bad decisions where then at some point then it does they're like well i guess we will just start killing these things on purpose
1: we only have to kill what is it 68 more of these and and we'll get home
0: right so in that degree i think there is you know again that's not like the big part of the episode but it it is interesting i did like that that it doesn't just start out with them being like all right let's start killing these guys there's like this kind of it was an accident but it was also like it was an accident but also like we did kidnap somebody I don't know, I thought that was, like, played out really well. Also, something else, too, that I just wanted to, like, mention is that the the graphics, like, for the CGI on these aliens is, like, whatever. Like I said, it's kind of, it reminded me of Slimer, kind of. But there is some good effects stuff, like, like, practical effects stuff with the residue that these things leave. Basically, there's, like, this chamber that has, like, this melted goo that is basically, like, the residue of... These aliens that hasn't been turned into dark matter, and it's just like I thought it was like very effectively gross and like kind of like horrifying because like when you see it, you don't know what it is right away, right? And so you're just kind of like, what could this be? Like, and and then you find out, and you're like, oh yeah, that's terrible. So I yeah, good good props out to the to the props department or or whoever the set set design. It was really good the way that they kind of reveal that, but. But yeah, very very strong episode. Like very, you know, not yeah, not definitely. not necessarily like a like a, a real big like lesson reflective episode like the last one we watched, but uh, very much a a really exciting one, a really good like piece yeah. of TV for sure. Yeah, I think that's all I had on it though, because I I only, I only took a couple notes and they were about Neelix being on the away team and um, Janeway straight up lying about having not broken the prime directive, right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Um, in two weeks, we'll be back at you with another episode. We're actually going to be doing a D Space Nine episode next time. We are going to be doing D Space Nine Season 6, Episode 24, called Times Orphan. Um, so you can uh, watch that and come back and listen to us again in two weeks. We come out every other Sunday. Um, you can visit our website at outofcontracts.podbean.com you can email us at outofcontracts@gmail.com, at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at contracts uh, and contracts is spelled C-O-N-T-R-E-K-S. Um, if you like our show, maybe try one of the other shows on our kaleidoscope uh, media network that we're, that we're in with here's Johnny, which is a horror podcast or that's not how science works, which is a pop culture and science podcast or wizard studies, which is a Harry Potter podcast. Um, so those are all good shows. You can check them out. Um, and Yeah, we will see you in a couple weeks. Thanks, everybody.
1: Thanks. Bye.